Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek with your hosts, Dan Gunther, that's me, and, of course, Barry DeFord, who joins me every week now, uh, talking all about the week's Star Trek news and really cool stuff from the Star Trek universe. Barry, I'm really digging our bi-weekly Trek discussions. Yeah, this is super fun, and um, it's, it's a good excuse for us to just sort of keep in touch a lot more. It's uh, gotten us to a point where we've been able even to meet up a little more. I think I think we've seen more of each other now than than ever. So um, I think podcasting is just sort of a way for people to sort of exercise their friendship in a unique way and uh, do it in front of a non-live studio audience, <laughs> whatever you could say. I'm happy to be here. Performative friendship, maybe, or something like that. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're buds anyway. But Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's great. And it's led to some other really cool stuff, too, because we met up recently to play Star Trek Ascendancy with a couple of It finally happened. Yeah. It finally did, yeah. I was able to play the Klingon Empire with my adopted son, uh, who came and played, but mostly played his baseball game app instead. (laughs) (laughs) Because Star Trek Ascendancy is a wildly complicated game that should have started at two in the afternoon, not seven at night. Yes. But that's okay. We enjoyed ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, no, uh, I, I kind of forgot how involved that game was. And and I played uh, I played the Andorians, so I got to call everybody pink skins all night. And <laughs> be, uh, I think my starting technology or whatever, starting feature was like unrepentant aggression or something like that. I can't remember what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that was a lot of fun. I, I, I regret that in that game, the Klingons and the Andorians have not yet met, but to be continued. So Yes, we took detailed photographs with our smartphones, us and the, and the friends we invited over. And uh, yeah, I actually, I've, I have in fact gone back to the picture of not only the map itself, but also what I have in uh, kind of in motion and stuff and all the little plans I have with my first fleet. Oh, and uh, yeah. So I've actually been, I've actually been giving it a little bit of meaningful thought. So yeah, if we can get this going again soon, that would be wonderful. I think we have sort of like a dead man switch that if we don't get back together in like three ish months, we'll just hit the reset button on the whole thing and start over. But uh, it was, it wasn't that hard to get, get a hang of, uh, to be honest. Mm. I, I, I did enjoy it. And, and it is something that's like got my attention now. So I think we will have a chance to, to play it again soon. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, when I say to be continued, I do mean that I'm, I'm excited to give updates on this ongoing game on the podcast. So Klingons and Andorians remain uncontacted with each other, but that's sure to be explosive when that happens. <laughs> I would imagine. And, and I mean, um, looking at the map, the Romulans are, are starting to build and grow a bit of a haphazard empire. Most of the planets that they colonized are dangerous to arrive at, whereas uh, the Klingons have uh, <clears throat> the fewest systems at this point 
point, but it's also because I think we ended just at the end of our turn. So we'll see what uh, what we can make of it later. But um, if things go well, the Klingon Empire will have a new technology that basically pumps out an automatic ship at every turn. Ooh. So... I'm going to be really excited when that thing kicks in, um, which is in probably two more two more turns if everything goes according to plan. So, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to read these rules very carefully and and try and figure <laughs> out a way out of this. Wow. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we've got the Federation off to the side as well, and the Andorians and the Federation are actually the first two who have met, which I guess kind of makes sense historically. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I do I do note a mild amount of needing each other more than liking one another, which again can sometimes characterize the human Andorian relationship. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's already some trade agreements going on there, so So anyway, that's fun. I, I enjoy this and, and yeah, the, the diplomacy of it all is uh, is quite fun. Oh, it's it's gonna be great. Uh, but we're not here to talk just about Star Trek Ascendancy. We, of course, have a lot of Star Trek news to bring you this week, including the news from the New York Comic Con 2022, which is legion. There's there's tons of stuff for Discovery, Prodigy, and most notably, I would say, Star Trek Picard as well. So uh, we'll get to that in our feature. There are some other pieces of news that we're going to get to before then, uh, before we really dig into those uh, New York Comic Con goodies. So the first bit of news is, I suppose, a bit of sad news, not entirely unexpected, uh, a piece of news that I actually, just for hilarity's sake, wish Bruce were here to comment on because we've kind of had this fun thing about commenting on news in this arena. And if you haven't guessed already, this is the news that Star Trek Four. Not the one with the whales, the new Star Trek four that's perpetually on the horizon has disappeared from that horizon and it is no longer on Paramount Pictures release calendar. So it has been uh, stricken from the release schedule just a few weeks after losing its director and being assured that, oh, no, it's still an ongoing concern. We're searching for a director. Everything is fine. Uh, now it's no longer on the schedule at all. So Barry, thoughts on this? Please just, I know this is a audio media, but uh, note my complete lack of surprise <laughs> on my face. Just the entire time I just leaned back and just sort of let you talk because I honestly, Dan, you know, it's been a slow death getting mm -hmm. from there to here. <laughs> and, and it's okay because, you know, I, I guess like not, not everything's going to survive, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that the J.J. verse Star Trek films did their part in the time that they had and they were they were enjoyable i was saying our our young young lad who joined us um, to the tabletop game his only exposure to star trek so far has been 2009 trek and that got him to come over and play a very long form tabletop board game so if that's anything i mean it it does a great job of sometimes capturing people's imagination, making Star Trek a little more accessible, I guess, in a lot of cases, because it, it is just sort of running on tropes. It sort of supercharges its characters, and it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a carnival ride. So it did its part. It's done its thing, and now we have a lot of really great t television series that are being you know filmed and everything like that. So I guess if, like there was nothing else going on in the Star Trek world, this would be pretty depressing. But I guess for me, I'm kind of like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I, I feel much the same way. I mean, I'm not 
losing sleep and, and tossing and turning about the fact that this particular iteration of this film is not going to come to pass or seemingly won't come to pass at this point. There will be another Star Trek movie someday. I've long held the, the opinion that film isn't the best medium for Star Trek anyway. There are some incredible Star Trek films and uh, Star Trek films are what made me fall in love with Trek in the first place. But like you say, look at what we're getting right now on television. Yeah. I mean, our cup runneth over already. And this incredible huge Sunday with whipped cream of Star Trek that we're getting is missing the cherry on top of Star Trek 4, well, it's still a pretty incredible Sunday. I mean, we can't complain at all. See, well, you've been saying this. Now I'm on Skip the Dishes looking at Dairy Queen. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dan. No, you're right. And and uh, I would I would say that actually in a lot of cases, the best film, uh, Star Trek, um, draws a lot from its te- what it what made it good television wise, right? Like, I mean, I think about Balance of Terror and the Corbinite maneuver for Wrath of Khan. I think that you know Star Trek Insurrection is actually a wonderful episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, like film wise, if you are not a Star Trek fan, holy cow! I'm so sorry you had to sit through that that movie. But like for someone who likes episodes of TNG, that was you know, that's up there. I enjoyed it. It was a good, it was, it was fun. The graphics were a little funky, but whatever. Yeah. You know, and, and so what's to worry? It's all good. If their heart wasn't in it, it would have been just sort of schlock anyway. So, all right, let's go with uh, quality over quantity. Absolutely. And uh, I mean, I don't know how much more I want to say about this film. We'll bring you, of course, any new news as it comes out from the film but i i think at this point until they're in front of cameras there's probably not much to say about this so yeah yeah because you know we got star trek on television we've historically got got it in films we usually have it in novels there's a bit of a drought happening with the novels right now for various reasons but you know that's neither here nor there and we also get star trek in comics so there's no shortage of star trek And there are a couple new comic series that have been announced that I wanted to draw everyone's attention to. And the first is Star Trek Strange New Worlds, The Illyrian Enigma. And don't try and say that 10 times fast, but this is a four issue miniseries based on Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is designed to bridge the gap between seasons one and two. This sounds pretty interesting. The little blurb here, the synopsis is, In Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the Illyrian Enigma, Commander Una Chinriley, first officer and helmsman of the USS Enterprise, stands accused of unlawful genetic modification by Starfleet. Sparing no time, Captain Pike and his crew set out in search of evidence to prove her innocence. So this is fascinating because, of course, that was kind of the cliffhanger we were left with at the end of season one. We have number one arrested for this uh, this impropriety of hers in the eyes of Starfleet. What I find interesting is, like, I can't imagine they're going to resolve that plot point in a tie-in comic, right? Like, that that's not going to happen, right? Well, they did for uh, 2009 Trek, didn't they? Well, I mean, yeah, they they gave some like backstory for what happens in the movie and that sort of thing. But like for this, it's like a cliffhanger of a television show. I feel like they're not going to resolve that storyline and end it in a comic. And then I right? like, I don't know, that seems odd to me. 
I mean, continue it, yes, but I, I don't think we're going to get that storyline wrapped up in this, right? Yeah, comic books can do a lot, I guess, <laughs> and, and I would never underestimate them to kind of basically bend reality to whatever they want. I used to be an X-Men fan, mm. and um, I guess like, you know, the concept of death really isn't much of a thing in, in the world of comics. It's, it is sort of the, the opportunity to just do whatever and however you want. And that's why I think in some cases, comics don't always translate well into movies, especially when it's so heavy on special effects, because what comic books always have to rely on is their ability to tell the story in as many frames, right? Or uh, panels, as they would say. So I think, what's going to have to happen is, is we might have to run over to our, our local comic book shop and pick, pick this up and see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've just been, just been having a quick look at, at it, uh, at its work and stuff like that. And these are all very artistic, but I, I don't know what it is, but cover B. Mm. Jake Bartok. Yeah. Jake Bartok. Yeah. Um, that cover B he, he's even done the uh, Star Trek online style, um, kind of like the, there's sort of like a contrail behind mm-hmm. the uh, the Enterprises that's passing along Pike, just looking as regal as ever. Like, jeez and crow, it looks like you could chip flint off of his cheekbones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think it's worth a look to see if maybe they manage it or not. Yeah, we'll definitely check these out. I'm I'm really interested in in seeing what they do with this. My best guess is we'll get. Because it talks about them finding evidence and and that sort of thing. I could see this being a four-issue kind of exploration of the issue and them amassing some evidence and and making their case. And then maybe issue four ending to be continued in season two of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The ultimate tie-in, right? You know, you get the the show watchers to read the comic and then you get the comic readers to renew interest in tuning in for season two, I guess. So my mind kind of flashes back to like the DC comic book days where they were putting out regular comics while the Star Trek films were coming out and they were running concurrently And Star Trek three, of course, ended with them on Vulcan in a Klingon bird of prey and the comics continued their story bringing them back to the Federation, Kirk getting command of the Excelsior and all of these things happening. And then when Star Trek four was going to come out, they had to get everybody back on Vulcan somehow with a Klingon bird of prey. And like, God's help me. They did it. (laughs) They had this convoluted story where they ended up back on Vulcan again with a bird of prey. I I think the days of, of, that being so not tied to what's going on in the films and them doing their own thing, at least with this series, that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be very closely tied with the show and will, I think, slot in very nicely uh, and butt up right against the end of season one, beginning of season two. Yeah, I think of it like dancing between the raindrops, sort of like you've got to sort of do your story without losing anyone like imagine someone who's just casually watching strange new worlds getting into star trek or even someone who's just 
kind of watching and, and they do like it, but this comics aren't their thing. It would be mighty presumptuous to be like, well, if you if you want to know what they're talking about right now, you're going to have to have, have watched the uh, the or read the comic books. It's kind of like, um, you know, if someone wanted to watch Young Sheldon without watching The Big Bang Theory, they can still watch it and be entertained. They're not going to catch all of the things, but, mm. you know, it's still a compelling enough story to watch it. So I think, yeah, maybe maybe you're right in the sense that the comic book is going to do a lot to approach um, the problem from several angles, but ultimately be extremely coy and non-committal into how it ends, so that if someone a doesn't read the comic, they don't have to worry about missing something. And then also, if they do read it, it doesn't mean that it's going to like spoil season two for them. I just want to read it for the artwork. It just looks like really nice artwork. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are multiple reasons to read a lot of these Star Trek comics, and the artwork is is frequently at the top of at or near the top of the list because. Uh, some of the work that these artists do is pretty incredible. So uh, next uh, comic book story I want to talk about. If if the Star Trek Strange New Worlds tie-in hues extremely closely to what we get on screen and, and doesn't, you know, do too much crazy with it so that it can butt up against season two nicely, uh, we've got a different story with the ongoing Star Trek issues that are taking place in the t- late 24th century from idw Uh, we've previously talked on the podcast i think back in the bruce days about an upcoming uh star trek series with captain benjamin sisko in command of the uss theseus on a mission from the prophets this kind of crazy ongoing series they're doing well there's already a spin-off of that coming called star trek defiant featuring uh wharf having stolen the uss defiant and assembling a hand-picked crew including Bolana Torres, Spock, Ro Laren, and Lore. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, Remember when I talked about dancing between the raindrops and yeah. not trying to like mush up anything? This was like a hold my Romulan ale moment. Absolutely. <laughs> went for it. <laughs> this looks absolutely wild. Uh, it's It's planning to debut in march of 2023 uh which will be about five issues into that flagship star trek series with cisco and and his crew um and the two comics will apparently eventually cross over i'm so excited i'm so eager to read these just for like the wild like what okay lore <laughs> and uh, really i i'm i'm almost rendered speechless uh i'm this is wild to me <laughs> well, the, the best part again is um, I'm just such a big fan of cover art and what it what it says. And so the first one is just cool because you know you got your four main characters. You've got a a kooky looking lore, a pensive looking Spock, a I don't know either ready to bust out some Shakir like dance moves or whatever. But Worf's like <laughs> gotcha, and then it Ensign Rose in the back like like sneaking out a laser shot on you. And then you got this beautiful front picture of the Defiant with its deflector um, and the Bassard collectors and stuff just. It looks gritty, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, wow, you know, it's gonna be really, really cool. And then cover B is like these, like, multicolored, like it's very psychedelic. And there's yeah. this, this wharf head in the middle. It's, I don't, I really don't know what to make of it. Like, I just feel like this is again something that we're just gonna have to look at or get our hands on just for the sheer kookiness that it's gonna be. I just, yeah, I don't think they're gonna follow any anything it's just this is going to be a big party (laughs) yeah i i mean i usually 
get these comics digitally and and check them out that way but this this cover b i might need to get that just to frame it and put it on my wall this psychedelic purple blades and uh, <laughs> elements from Worf's baldric i guess kind of are, are intertwined there i don't know what's going on with this but it, it is wild <laughs> and it it's got like a hendrix vibe to it like yeah. i feel like purple haze should be playing behind but like with like in Klingon or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or like the transitions between scenes in the comic will be like uh, uh, an, a punk band, you know, playing something as they yeah. transition to the next scene. It's like, what is going on? It's good. It's campy. Yeah. I, I just, I love that it, it feels like, I guess the, the reins have been taken off and they're just, I, I guess Paramount has said, yeah, go for it, whatever. So they're going for it. I'm a, I'm a, I admire big swings. So what the heck? Let's see. Maybe this will be great. <laughs> YOLO. Absolutely. <laughs> let's, let's yeet the defiant, like whatever. They already did it once, right? Yeah, absolutely. Blew it up. You can do whatever you want. That's a tough little ship. For sure. Well, let's uh, take a brief break here. And when we come back, we'll jump into all of the uh, really crazy reveals and trailers and all that sort of stuff that we got from New York Comic Con. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Positively Trek would not be possible without the support of those of you who have gone to patreon.com slash positively trek and signed up to become a Patreon supporter of the show. Thank you all so very much for your donations. They truly do help bring this show to you each week. Thank you especially to our Constitution class supporters, Joyce Marin, Justin Ozer, Jim Stoffel, Jesse Earle, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and our associate producer for the month of October, Linda B. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get perks such as early access to episodes, ad-free versions of episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and much more. Once again, that's patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Thank you all once again. And now, let's get back to the show. 
So New York Comic Con 2022 just happened uh, yesterday as we're recording this a few days ago as this episode is released. And we had three main panels as part of the larger Star Trek universe presentation. We had folks from Discovery, Prodigy and Star Trek Picard represented and First off, let's talk a little bit about Discovery. We did get a teaser trailer, which, you know, I, as usual, I'll have for you here audio-wise, but just a bit of a warning. There's very little dialogue in this trailer and lots of flashy scenes, so I don't know how it'll translate to a podcast, but I'm sure you'll let me know. The greatest treasure in the known galaxy is out there. What are you waiting for? So, yeah, there we go. Uh, Discovery trailer. Wow. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think we had two pieces of dialogue in there. We had uh, yeah. we had Kovic, of course, talking about, you know, the universe's greatest treasure. It kind of sounds like an Indiana Jones type thing. They're on some sort of hunt for something. And I think the other bit of dialogue we got was the very end with Burnham riding a starship at warp. Uh, saying never a dull moment, which uh, very visually impressive. So uh, what are your thoughts on this trailer? Visually impressive. That's (laughs) really all I can say is the whole thing is just a bunch of eye candy. Um, Again, we may be missing out on JJ Trek, but I do very much feel like Discovery has inherited that level of sensory just treats, right? Like, I think I've mentioned before somewhere, at least to everyone I know that like, that scene when the discovery in season two almost goes into the mycelial network, and Mm. it's like halfway in the middle, like the audio editing of that is just, it's beautiful. Yeah. So again, yeah, this will not be a hard series to watch. How do you feel about the details that we have this, this ancient power or ancient treasure or something that they're going to go find that's been hidden. What are your thoughts there? How do you, how do you see this one panning out? Well, the one thing that I'm kind of interested in is if this premise is like, if they hew to this, if this is what they're, what they're going with. And, and basically the, the premise is Burnham and the crew of the discovery are uncovering a mystery that sends them on an epic adventure across the galaxy to find an ancient power whose very existence has been deliberately hidden for centuries. And of course there are others that are competing with them on this hunt and foes who are desperate to claim this prize for themselves and will stop at nothing to get at all those media buzzwords and stuff. Uh, the one thing I'm not seeing here. And I'm like, fingers crossed. I'm like, let's, yes, let's keep down this path is I'm not seeing like an existential threat to the galaxy or earth or everyone is going to die unless we do X, Y, and Z. 
uh, Z for our, our mostly American audience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to not see that. I still, that fear is in the back of my mind that they're going to discover that, oh my goodness, if we don't do this, it's good. But for right now, I'm very excited for a season where the stakes aren't that high because it loses, begins to lose meaning if every season or every, you know, whatever they're, they're trying to prevent all of existence being wiped out or all of their planets being destroyed by an anomaly or something like that. Right. So I'm happy to see a lessening of the stakes here. Yeah. And, and maybe they could get around, you know, the idea of, of raising stakes in the sense that like, if this power or treasure or technology were to get into the wrong hands, it could get existentially bad. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. In, instead of like, cause I do feel like each, I call them time bomb seasons where like, basically there's a time bomb and it's going to kill everyone if they don't diffuse it one way shape or form or the other right so mm -hmm. in that respect yeah i agree with you i guess for me i just hope that they don't invent something completely brand new again because like if they want an ancient power that's been hidden for a long time they could go the direction of like the that kind of founder race that that all of the races were very disappointed to come across <laughs> or like i mean let's do something with the iconians they've always sort of been this sort of ancient culture that could get around real easy and i mean discovery is all about transportation isn't it mm -hmm. um so and they that did would get be... a name drop last season too so right you know so the seeds are so there here's hoping I, I really hope they go down the iconian route personally that would be fun yeah i feel like the iconians have been a theory just about every season since season two as far as what's going on in the seasons. so it'd be nice if it fine. It's like that one episode of House where it finally was lupus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that would be great. I've never seen an episode of House, but yeah, I get the joke for for whatever reason. Yeah, so, just one yeah. of those cultural zeitgeist things for sure. Yeah, but we do see some pretty cool things in this trailer. Again, probably didn't translate that well to the podcast format, but we saw Tilly's back, which we, we knew. But you know, hopefully, she's got a sizable role in the season. Always love Mary Wiseman, and uh, of course, the return of familiar faces: President Rillac, President Tarina you know, making eyes at Saru. So, you know, the, the shippers are all happy there and we see Admiral Vance. Yeah. And, uh, that's always great. I, I really love these new characters. I think Oded Fair as Admiral Vance is terrific. And, uh, you know, President Rillac and President Tarina, two of my favorite characters as well. At Admiral Vance, uh, I, I have enjoyed the, the arc of so far. So mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I appreciate, uh, the admiral's return it should be good but the new character you were you were waxing about this so i'll let you do the announcing because uh we're just i don't know it's that other series or completely other franchise that uh, we are <laughs> we are headhunting from a little bit and i'm here for it absolutely yeah we have captain rayner played by callum keith rennie and uh the the publicity photo for this guy uh, he looks very much like normal Callum Keith Rennie, but with these rather large pointed ears that look even, even bigger, I think, than Vulcan. I don't think, I think it's something else there. But for those of you who don't know this actor, uh, I've long loved his work. Uh, recently in the Umbrella Academy, he played a character named Lester. 
And uh, he's, of course, known in Battlestar Galactica as one oh, of yeah. the Cylons. So, yeah, the, the Cylon he played in Battlestar, of course, was number two. But uh, he was also called Leoban, which uh, some very quick Googling by Barry uncovered, covering my butt there. We're, we're tightly edited. You don't hear the you don't hear the seams. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And also uh, he was born in Sunderland, England, but he was raised in Edmonton, Alberta. So. That's pretty cool. Um, I was also raised in Edmonton, Alberta, and I've <laughs> never met him. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I, I love this guy. He's incredible in whatever he's in. Like some of his stuff as Leoben in Battlestar was chilling. Like uh, he had a lot of scenes with Starbuck and some some very raw stuff that he had to play as an actor that uh really kind of freaks you out because he's pretty intense and uh, yeah umbrella academy as well some very intense scenes there so i i think he brings a lot of acting gravitas to this role he does and it, it again you know thinking back to uh, rekha sharma of course who is also a cylon um playing a brief Brief stint until she was uh, unfortunately dispatched by the lovely Ripper. I was thinking about Ripper the other day. I never think about Ripper anymore. I wonder how he's doing out there. You know, that is one thing that I do find Discovery has done is it's like almost gotten into a lot of really cool characters and then they just sort of disappear or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was being mentioned a little bit about um, Picard's first season. There's Soji and where's Soji? You know, like I hope she shows up in in this final season and does something because she was an interesting character, mm-hmm. and I would be interested to see what happens with her or if anything. Well, we do also have a couple of other characters, uh, Mole and Laak, played by Eve Harlow and Elias Tufexis. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly. That was uh, well done. Oh, thank you. Uh, played by them respectively. They are courier characters, which was of course the uh, the loose organization i guess that book and burnham belonged to before discovery caught up with her in the time stream curious about these characters they look interesting for sure well it it, i guess it kind of brings us back to that feeling of the wagon train to the stars idea that roddenberry originally had i mean this is basically a a a space version of the pony express like i guess um sort of unfortunate colonization vibes notwithstanding that is sort of the purpose that these folks do is you know you need to get something from here to there and there's a lot of danger in the way we'll brave that danger to get it there i guess is sort of the the impulse i get from them so yeah definitely uh interested to see these new characters in action of course we don't know a ton about discovery season five other than that brief premise and the characters that will be in it and it will be on our screens sometime in 2023 that that nebulous amazing time that everything appears sometime so yeah (laughs) yeah right i do feel like the hype from now to then is going to be difficult to manage or maintain without spoiling stuff or spilling stuff or like giving more details and whatnot so the fact that they are sort of saying sometime in 2023 makes me feel like past february and so if that's the case i do hope that they can keep the 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 hype for that long yeah it definitely does feel like they're kind of holding things in reserve and and letting uh well prodigy to some extent but also the hype for picard of course as you say february right that's going to be a big month (laughs) 
I feel like uh, they're they're kind of giving them all the hype energy. Once once that's kind of out of the way, and that's more negative language than I mean it to be, but once that's behind us, I feel like a large vacuum will have been created that will be ready to fill with hype for all the other projects coming down the line as well. Any last thoughts on Discovery, or do you want to move on to the next, uh, I find, very delightful addition to uh, Star Trek Prodigy? Absolutely. Yeah, let's move on to Prodigy, because this has been a surprise favorite among the new Star Trek series. Uh, Not that I wasn't expecting great things, but the Hageman brothers have really put together, I think, an incredible show. And we've got, of course, the second half of season one coming in just a few weeks. October 27th is when uh, the show returns with episode 11. And we did get a mid-season teaser trailer for that. Captain's log 61209.5. It's been weeks since leaving Tars Lamora for good. That dream of finding a place where we can be accepted is becoming real. We want to join Starfleet! I suppose they just handed you kiddos a free starship. We actually stole it. Whoever stole the protostar must be stopped. Get us out of here! The real me is hunting us. Good luck with that. So we're not going to Starfleet. As long as we have the protostar, we can still help others. This is so exciting! You saved me. I will not rest until your memories return. Who is this specimen? You know where I came from? Not where, but who? We may not be ready for Starfleet, but we're ready to take your orders, Captain. Plot of course. Who are these kids? Look at me. What is it? I remember everything. And I am absolutely delighted to see Ronnie Cox getting work. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's about time De- Jellico showed up to get it done. I, in in my time as a uh, as a person who's worked in the education system, there's been times that I've had to be a person in charge, and I do have to say that. When a new person shows up, it can be difficult to know sort of how they're going to change the the structure and style of whatever, you know, group you're a part of, be it for business, be it community group, whatever. And I always have felt the pun intended fish out of water kind of approach that Jellico had in his episode, um, his double episode of Star Trek. I, I just got that pun, by the way. Sorry. The last horse just crossed the finish line on that one. <laughs> That's all right. It was a deep cut. Um, but I just I just find that that um, really there was nothing wrong with Captain Jellico. There was something wrong with the crew. Mm-hmm. And and it was an interesting and, and very sort of instructive thing that, that I've always really thought a lot about. And so I'll always have a deep, great deal of sympathy for Jellico. And I hope we don't just see him for one episode. I hope we, we see him for a number of them. And in time to come, the best part about it is it's anime. 
animated. So, I mean, he can do the whole thing in his pajamas if he wants. Um, just nice to see Ronnie Cox back reprising a role that I have always just very much enjoyed. Absolutely. And and yeah, getting, I, th- I think, a well-deserved promotion. I mean, he had yeah. to go in and babysit that Enterprise crew. Yeah. And... Watching that two-parter as an adult and just the the temper tantrum that Riker throws, I feel like I could be wrong, but I almost feel like behind the scenes, you know, Starfleet kept pushing Riker to get a command of a starship. And then the Enterprise D was destroyed and he's back as first officer of the Enterprise E. I feel like Jellicoe made a recommendation and Starfleet stopped pulling out the command chair for Riker based on his behavior in that episode. <laughs> you're, you're probably not wrong because Jellicoe is a by the book kind of guy, right? He, he knows how to run a ship. He knows how to keep it clean and tidy and running at full capacity. And in that respect, I, I do quite respect Jellicoe and the way in which he's going to manage things. So I, I will be interested to see how he and Janeway interact with one another. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know. I, I'll, I'll put aside speculation. I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with it. I, I'm wondering if there are Jellicoe sympathizers on the writing staff of Prodigy. I, I kind of hope there are. <laughs> there must be. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, looks like a fun trailer for these folks. I, I, I really enjoy this series, like I said, and definitely lots of potential for some good stuff with, you know, Janeway hunting them down and the hologram Janeway quipping like, oh, good luck with that. The real me is chasing you. Okay. <laughs> so I think there's some good stuff to come from this show. Roll on because it, it's coming the soonest. So it'll, uh, it'll be the most exciting for now for me. But... There is something that, I don't know, I might have to take some days off in February. What do you think? <laughs> I might be right there with you. Okay, here's the, the wow. Um, I was, okay, Star Trek Picard, of course. We got uh, a bunch of the cast members, including classic TNG cast, at the New York Comic Con. And we got this incredible full trailer for Star Trek Picard season three. Let's roll it. Thank you. Admiral. I received a distress call from Beverly Crusher. We are being hunted. Who is it out there? I don't know. We must run. From what? Precise with your timing, Jean-Luc Picard. Fire! You should know that I now prefer pacifism to combat. We're all gonna die. They are blind to something big. It will be what it always was. Attempts on your life. Riku broke them into this too. I was once like her, irrational, violent. In the forge, got it. Stay inside. Aye, sir. There's a darkness on this ship. 
all-consuming darkness. I'll peck and I'll jab. Everything that makes you you. We will scorch the earth under which you stand, and the night will brighten with the ashes of the Federation. First, we will have vengeance. Fire everything we've got! Greetings, old friends. So, so much to un- unpack here. We've got uh, the thing that really kind of honestly blew my mind in this trailer. Like, there, there's lots in here. Great stuff with the characters. We get a pacifist wharf, which I kind of want to learn more about. That's interesting. And Riker's retort, we're all going to die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this looks great. I love that interplay. I have to say, my my reactions as I watch this, and I'm glad none of this was spoiled for me as I watched it. We get that reveal of Daniel Davis as Moriarty, which honestly blew my mind. Like I did not think that we'd be revisiting this character. Very thrilled. I love Daniel Davis. I think he's an incredible actor and I'm very excited to see where this goes. And then that reveal right at the end where Jordy sees, you know, Brent Spiner's character and goes lore. And honestly, I kind of went, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Brent Spiner has found, uh, his way back in cause he, he will, I mean, Brent, Brent give, giving the man the credit where it's due. I mean, he, he did very much sort of create an entire element of, of Star Trek himself and, and has maintained it by, by basically playing so many versions of this sort of concept of data. He's been in pretty much every, like he wasn't in uh, in Voyager at all. I don't think. No, I don't believe so. I, yeah. But I liked him in enterprise mm-hmm. um, Absolutely. and stuff. And, and it's funny, actually, I got to talk to him once I teach a draw. I have taught a drama class in the past and uh, I've even done improv games where I call it the emotion chip and I turn the emotion chip on and off for students who are doing a drama sketch, just improving it and they have to be emotional and then suddenly completely unemotional. And hmm. obviously they get put in kooky situations. And so I actually got to tell Brent Spider that when I met him at uh, SDLV once and he thought that was charming. I'm sure. I don't really remember the conversation, but anyways, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I like the idea of Moriarty coming back, and it makes sense with the whole AI thing. Um, and I, I do hope this gets uh, Bob Picardo maybe in a, a quick role or something like that popping in. I'd said to you when we were saying this beforehand that I was sort of nonplussed by by Moriarty's arrival. I guess it wasn't that I'm nonplussed. It's more that I'm like more that I, I was like, oh, okay, all right, because I, I just I wasn't really expecting mm-hmm. him like. Of anyone, I was like, oh, because you, you sort of used a bunch of exclamations at the beginning. And that's sort of me, too, of like, I was not expecting this whatsoever. So yeah. like I was expecting to see Brent Spiner. I was expecting to see this, like, star-studded, for us, star-studded cast of of very wonderful, familiar faces. I, I shared with us on the uh, Google Drive that picture. It's got all the different title, title headshots of all of the characters. 
And uh, it's really cool to see them back. Mm -hmm. One thing that um, I was going to say about this is uh, Jonathan Frakes and his tweet. Um, if someone has seen it, <laughs> he tweets that it's like, oh, it's the final voyage and all this sort of stuff. And then he types, maybe not final. And I'm like, this guy can't keep a secret, right? <laughs> but if it leads to some kind of other cinematic feature in the end that um, puts them all back on the big screen, we were talking about cinematic features. Sure, I take it. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Nemesis... I, I'm so glad that Nemesis is no longer going to be their swan song. And uh, all the comments from Terry Metalis about writing this final season and being the showrunner for it are basically that he wanted to do the Star Trek The Next Generation final film, but he made it 10 hours instead of two, which that's thrilling. I'm I'm all for that. And in the hall at New York Comic Con, apparently the question had been asked about another Star Trek, the next generation film. And Patrick Stewart was kind of playing coy a little bit and saying like, do you want them to do that? You know, make some noise. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't say no if Paramount asked. And in that kind of playful Patrick Stewart way, which uh, that was kind of surprising and interesting that we've gotten to this point now where I remember years ago, he was like, Oh, I've, I've hung up the space suit. I'll probably never play Picard again. And, now it almost sounds, and I mean, I, I know there's a lot of showmanship and a lot of pageantry here and a lot of it's just for show, but it almost sounds like he's lobbying for another TNG film, which that's pretty cool. I didn't think we'd get there with this cast or this actor in particular. Are you familiar with the theological um, mind game or mind puzzle called Pascal's Wager? Oh, yes, Absolutely. <laughs> for those for those of you who don't really really quick it's the idea of if you believe in god or if you don't so if you believe in god and there is a god then you are rewarded because you believe in him if you believe in god and there isn't a god it won't matter because after you're gone you're gone and blah 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 if you don't believe in god and there isn't a god that also won't matter but if you don't believe in god and there is a god then you might have some explaining to do after you've uh, cast off this mortal coil then it said that you know maybe just go with the idea that there is a god just in case and then you're you've covered all your bases basically sometimes the cynic in me is like, oh, look at these old actors. You know, they've basically found a cash cow to pay for their retirement. And that's not a really nice way of thinking. And that means that the world is bad and it's it's hardened my ice heart in a terrible way. Because to be honest with you, when I see these actors in these scenes, on these panels, they look like they're having the time of their mm -hmm. life. They look happy. We're happy. Everyone's happy here. So... I'm going to do sort of a Pascal's wager for what's happening right now. And I do think that the fandom is truly driving the storytelling in this where I do really see the writers are like coming to these, talking to fans, interacting with fans, interacting with the actors who have also, you know, as we've mentioned with Brent Spiner, Michael Dorn specifically, and how much they've done to advance the storylines and, you know, all of the different contexts of Star Trek. So this is sort of like we feed... Our, our energy goes in and then TV shows come out. I'm willing to continue this in perpetuity, really, you know. And, you know, there was a mention um, of sort of like a passing the torch moment that might be happening in this, or maybe it was a baton. I can't remember the exact wording. I do see that a kind of a blending of old and new characters 
coming and going, um, recasting of characters like Uhura and Discovery and stuff like that. So seeing these characters on their final romp, maybe not their last romp, according to Jonathan Frakes, plus new characters that can sort of carry on from there. I'm really excited and I'm really hopeful. So whatever comes of this, man, it's so cool. Any new characters that stand out for you at all or any any returns that you're just super excited to see? Well, I did want to mention Amanda Plummer as the yeah. main villain, it looks like, in this. And of course, uh, daughter of Christopher Plummer. So right. pretty cool little connection there. It looks like she's got some great, you know, villain vamping moments, which, uh, you know, Star Trek villains just so are so good at chewing the scenery that I'm looking forward to, to some of this, you know, as much as sometimes the best Star Trek isn't centered around a villain, Star Trek still had some pretty good villains that are, you know, are fun to see our heroes play off against. So I'm really curious to see what she brings to that. I think it's going to be so much fun having her. She is just such an over the top actor when she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think about the opening scene in Pulp Fiction, right? When she and, uh, yeah. Um, um, suddenly uh, Tim Roth are, are talking and then just suddenly she bursts <laughs> from being this like sweet, you know, you know, just happy British lady at a Los Angeles diner to, uh, absolutely like honey badger level violent, <laughs> like ready to go, ready to kill everybody. So I hope she brings some of that energy because there is sort of a serious feel to Star Trek Picard that I have felt. And if she can come in there and kind of raise the the tempo a little bit that might be fun mm-hmm. absolutely i'd like to see i'd like to see her and jonathan frakes I, I would like to see her those two actors square off that would be interesting mm-hmm. yeah i like that I, it, it's got to be better than the Riker viceroy show face off in nemesis right when he pushes him down like 300 stories like yeah <laughs> <sighs> on deck 29 of the 26 deck starship and yeah. then with I don't know, like Star Trek five turbo lift levels of lunacy below that. I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> they, it, it, it became a monster movie at that point for me. Like, oh, honestly, it's, it's oh, nemesis. Tough. Oh, man. The scenes where um, all of the different spaceships are fighting outside of the nebula, though, that's some nice imagery. Mm hmm. You know, my absolute favorite scene in Star Trek Nemesis is one that didn't make it to the screen. It's in the deleted scenes where Picard and Data are in his quarters talking about change and moving on and, you know, things not being in static equilibrium all the time. And obviously they're talking about death, right? And mm -hmm. I, I just like, ah, I don't know. I feel like that director stripped everything that was Star Trek out of that film for what we got. Anyway. Yeah. We'll do an episode all about Star Trek Nemesis sometime. I, th I think that'll actually be a fun and interesting episode to just really pick that. I don't know if it could be on Positively Trek, but we'll try and make it work. <laughs> we could call it um, Positively Constructive Critic. Criti Hold on. You know what? I'll get back to you on that one. Maybe, maybe uh, we could uh, call it Positively Trek, where the first part of Positively is pause. Like, like, like you've hit oh, the yes. pause button. So yeah. yeah, we're just pausing the positivity. <laughs> yeah, there we are. Pausing positivity on pausing positively track. There we are. Perfect. Easy to say. <laughs> the Illyrian crisis. Okay. So I did see in the notes uh, that you wanted to call out uh, a particular 
actor that we see in the trailer and the character that she's playing. And I'm very excited about this as well, but I, I, I would like to give you the honors of this one. Yeah, Jordy gets a daughter and I'm so excited for him. I don't know who he had the daughter with. I certainly hope it's not with um, I've, and I'm Dr. Um, oh, geez. Leah Brahms. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope it's not with Dr. Leah Brahms because I just, I feel like that just didn't go the right way and it never will. And it's okay to be friends and it's okay to, to sort of, you know, be ships passing in the night sort of, because she's just not that into you, Jordy. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the uh, Alandra LaForge is her name and she's played by, I believe Mika or Micah, and I don't know for sure, uh, Micah Burton. And the coolest thing that I found out um, was how, she ended up announcing this on Twitter. Uh, she actually did a video of her resetting her bio, um, saying who she plays in Star Trek. And that was a really cool way of doing it. Shows that the actor is probably, I'm, I'm hoping she's excited. I mean, she gets to work with LeVar Burton, who I hear is a real gem mm-hmm. of a fella. Um, but the coolest part is she was also on this like podcasty show thing called Critical Role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about Dungeons and Dragons. So... I feel like we're we're you know kind of pulling from the farm leagues of of fandom in a lot of cases to get people on onto the uh, onto Star Trek itself and and I would really like to see what this character has to offer you know maybe she could even be part of that baton ta- passing sort of thing mm-hmm. but it also brings me uh, uh, to a, a conversation that we had while we were playing Star Trek Ascendancy and that is if we were to do some kind of D and D like thing with positively trek where we would have friends get together and we would end up doing some kind of storyline D, either via tabletop or, or something else would that be something of interest to folks like uh, what do you think dan I, I mean, I would be really into that. I've I've mentioned on the podcast before, of course, Modifius's Star Trek Adventures tabletop RPG, very D and D esque. Uh, when that came out a few years ago, I bought a bunch of the like the core rule book and some of the peripherals. I was gonna buy the big Borg cube thing that has like all the paintable figures and stuff. I I didn't quite drop that much money, but I was very tempted. And then sadly, it's now just kind of sat in a corner, wrapped in cellophane, gathering dust. I haven't done anything with that yet, but uh, it, would be, it would be really interesting. And I'm, I'm curious to gauge the interest level of our listeners, if that would be something they'd be interested in hearing happen. I have several friends who do a regular D&D get together, and I'm sure they would not be hard to persuade uh, to do a Star Trek themed one at some point. They are all Star Trek fans as well. And of course, uh, I, I, I hear tell that you might ha- even have some storyline ideas and stuff ready to go. There's a greater than zero chance that I already have three storyline or three, not sorry, three episodes to a storyline in my head um, based around stolen Starfleet tech utilized to um, be sympathetic in the civil war of another race. Oh, um, man. <laughs> yeah. So basically the, the premise, and I'll just throw it out here, and, and it came from Couch Trek that we did way back in the day, um, is basically in my version of this, and it isn't canon anymore, at least it, it, they're just hovering around it so much. Like what happens to Romulus after Romulus, the Romulan Empire after Romulus is destroyed. Obviously, it would go into political chaos. It was a fascistic space empire that now has literally just had its head cut off. So what What now? <clears throat> and so basically, a Republican faction of um, 
of Romulans managed to get a serious foothold and begin sort of a liberation campaign to liberate the Romulan Empire, democratize it, and make it, you know, kind of more Federation-esque, I guess you could say. And so there would be meddling with the Klingons, and there's obviously the Federation has to decide how are they going to approach this, right? There is sort of a prime directive-y thing here where, you know, they're warp-capable, but they're also a massive society with a great deal of history with humans. What now? So basically a starship that's kind of based off of the Aventine class, more or less, like one of those. It's sort of a a secret special version of the ship that's um, just higher technolo- technologically sound i won't i won't go into the details of that basically gets stolen by a captain who's been working in the neutral zone since the end of romulus he just ends up realizing because he's been working with romulan so much that their cause is worthy and so he and his entire crew voluntarily decide to go awol and go and help and so another captain is sent to go and retrieve that ship, that property of the Federation, since now basically committing a war crime. So yeah, if we want to do that, I have the, the the whole story from stem to stern. Oh my goodness. Wow. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Let us know in the comments uh, via positivelytrek at gmail.com. However you want to get in touch with us. Is that something you'd be interested in hearing And I hope you say yes, because I'm interested in doing that. That would be very cool. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll see. We, we, I mean, obviously I used pronouns there, but I mean, anyone can play any of the roles of any of the characters. Um, I do have characters as well that uh, are kind of pre predetermined a little bit, but obviously any person of any gender or any way of identifying oneself can play any of the characters. It's really not that big of a deal. Very cool. Well, I I just want to pop back a little bit to, um, uh, Alandra LaForge played by Micah Burton. I have what potentially might be in the in the direction of possibly bad news with regards to the Leia Brahms thing because of of course the two LaForge daughters that we that we get introduced to in the trailer are trailer are Ensign Alandra LaForge played by Micah Burton and uh Ashley Sharp Chestnut plays Ensign Sydney LaForge. And if you remember all good things when they meet in the vineyard and they're talking about LaForge's children with his wife, Leah. What about the little ones? Brett, Alandra, and... Um... Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Holy cow. So Alandra and Sydney are are from that. So I, maybe, I mean, this is an, a different timeline. Maybe somehow those... Children from a different mother have the same names, but I no, you're right. I know. I forgot about that in all good things. Wow, <sighs> I, there I, it is. I don't want it to be Leah Brahms either, uh, but I don't know. I it might still not be. You know what? It's all good because uh, <laughs> we'll we'll. Uh, I just think that there's it's such a big universe, and um, I mean, I, I understand the callback and all that sort of stuff, and people are gonna like that, but like. It was kind of written to be sort of awkward and, you know, the one that got away. And so if she didn't get away, it's sort of like, well, what happened? I bet you they had a pact. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but which is also kind of icky because she was married. Like, that's why they didn't get together is she's married. Yeah. So if they had a pact, it was like, well, if I ever divorce. I'm not, oh, yeah. No, that could get bad, too. That doesn't sound Anyways. <laughs>
it's it's those little things that will that I'll I'll definitely let slide just for the sake of of you know obviously Lavar Burton playing Jordi LaForge again, which is for me just pretty fantastic, anyways. Absolutely. Well, the other reveal that I think we need to just mention from the trailer is, of course, a new starship, the USS Enterprise F, the uh, the starship as seen in Star Trek Online, now making its way into canon which is very, very cool, very gorgeous on the screen flying by. So that that was awesome. The ship nerd in me is just kind of like, yay. I do love the legitimizing of Star Trek Online that has taken place from all of this. I think Star Trek Online has played a bit of an unsung role in the development and look of different ships in its trajectory, again, using fan input to design the ships more and more. And it has taken the very innocent and simple design by Matthew Jeffries by so many years ago to create something and its variations just overlapping on each other. The Enterprise has always been something beautiful to look at. Each and every iteration of it for me is just something to admire. I actually have in my office the original, the refit, the B, the D, and the E. I don't have the C. Hmm. But um, yeah, they're all just something of beauty for me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love Starship design and as you say, the Enterprise has always been the most beautiful in the fleet at the time. And, you know, everyone has their favorite. Everyone has their the one that they gravitate towards. But I think every iteration of it has had something that just is something special to it. And I think the Enterprise F is no, no exception. This Odyssey-class starship, uh, I think, is gorgeous. And it's huge it's huge it's too huge yeah and and a very like you can see the the design lineage right like it, yeah. it fits in nicely with the the previous ones as well so i i think it's a it's a welcome addition to our enterprise family and we as fans will welcome it with open arms and i can't wait to see the bridge that's that's all i'm gonna say the bridge design is always for me the next most important bit uh actually speaking of star trek online the aventine classes bridge specifically Mm. um is just an absolute favorite of mine um and now that i uh now that i have the appropriate computer i may end up dipping my toe back into star trek online who knows we'll Ooh, see we'll very see. cool we'll see how i feel i haven't played in so long uh yeah it's it's been ages well is there anything else from star trek picard the panel and the trailer that uh, that you wanted to bring up here well just that i don't want to necessarily play down moriarty's role i think he's gonna maybe be something of a foil for lore or maybe even he can be sort of like a Hannibal Lecter who helps fight off lore or maybe vice versa where lore is the person who helps fight kind of the ultimate threat and lore gets a bit of a redemption arc that would be the only little piece of it but um, it's nice to see this possibly last uh, voyage of these characters curse you Jonathan Frakes <laughs> and your coyness <laughs> absolutely well of course Star Trek Picard season three is coming to our screens in February of 2023 we will be right there uh, watching it and talking about it every week probably as we giddily uh, consume this final quote-unquote voyage 
of the TNG crew. So, so with all of that said, I guess all that's left is for us to invite everyone who's listening to reach out to us with your thoughts, positively Trek at gmail.com, the positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. Please share your thoughts on these trailers and anything else we talked about in this episode. And of course, let us know if you're interested in that Star Trek adventures, RPG style, ongoing thing i think that might be a lot of fun and and i hope people would be into that barry if people want to get in touch with you and follow what you're doing online where can they do that they can find me just on facebook at barry deford best place to look is just in the uh, uh, positively trek discussion group you'll see me there i pop in probably once a week or so and that's about all you get from me in social media land so um, <laughs> just know positively trek card you're actually getting the bulk of my attention um, by by hearing from me around once a week so uh, yes that that's where you can find me you're probably smarter than all of us when it comes to dealing with social media. That's that's probably the right approach. Whereas you can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats, that's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S, in the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, on Instagram at Kurtrats47, and of course Positively Trek you can find on Twitter at Positively Trek, and uh, of course on Patreon.com slash Positively Trek. If you'd like to help out the show, we'd really appreciate any support that you can give us to uh, keep the show coming to each week. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners, though. And honestly, the best thing you can do for this podcast is listen. It is free and always will be. So thank you so much, and we'll see you in the next episode. Until then, as always, stay positive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.